It's time for Talkward. Professionally funny people telling awkward and cringeworthy stories. And now, your host, weekly humorist, editor-in-chief, Marty Dundix. Hi, and welcome to Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix, editor-in-chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine, and this is Talkward, a fun little podcast where professionally funny people come to tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. I'm so excited uh, for today's guest. I uh, just met her recently at the uh, New York uh, Comedy Music Festival. Jessica Delfino, welcome to Talkward. Hi, Marty. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. You came in here on the most badass b- Batmobile bicycle I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty rad bike. It's like that. It has that kind of Batmobile flat black mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, paint you see on the really hip cars it, now. It looks like the Batmobile. Yeah, bike. it really does. It's got big fat tires. Those are very fat tires. Yeah. What kind of tires? So this is like an electronic bike. It's an e-bike. Yep. With these really fat rubber tires, yeah. like the real like grip the road They're kind of like, tires, m- like dirt bike tires. Yeah, on a bike, big tires, yeah. like big donuts, like the kind of tires that you could, if you got run over with, you'd say ouch. And you speed around New York City in this badass Batmobile bike. It's the fastest way to get around the city. And you have that kind of hip helmet mm-hmm. that's like it's the, uh, you know, it's like the round kind. Mm-hmm. That it's like almost like you're a like a gunner in an old World War II sh- uh, plane, you know. Except no guns. With the goggles. Yeah, I don't have goggles. You need a pair of these. My dad got me a pair of those. Those are cool. I refuse to wear them. Oh man. I know. They're like uh, like flying machine goggles, <laughs> like time machine goggles. So Jessica Delfino, you're a comedy musician. Mm-hmm. Um, Among other things. Um, yeah, many things. You're a mom. I am a mom. Um, you have a sensitive motherly side. Oh yeah. But then I'm also, super sensitive. I might start crying. Don't and be then, surprised. but then I listened to the music. Um, I was listening to an album uh, moments earlier. Hold on, I have to bring up uh, your album. This is this your newest album? Which one? Um, Songs to make war to. That is my most recent solo album. Yes. Okay, so songs to make war to. Um, Fourteen anarchist anthems for the whole family. Yes. Is that a good plug? I yeah, think it's a, it's a great album. I Thanks. listened to a couple of songs today. The album artwork is wonderful. Thank you. Um, also very badass. This is kind of like a secret identity for the Jessica Delfino that I met in a social environment. I'm, I'm practically Batwoman. You are. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a se- when people are, are kind of like rock stars, they have this rock star persona that they do the shows and people come and they buy tickets and they're fans. And then on the other flip, the flip side, the coin of that. I'm at home making cookies. Exactly. It's really weird. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun life. So yeah, how did this all happen? Say. How did you get into being a, a musical comedy person? Um, and then how did you move into becoming a, a event organizer, Okay. a big time musical comedy festival developer organizer, hmm. head honcho, and then also a mom Well, zipping around on a fun e-bike. You know how I became a mom. I'm, I'm going to skip that. Part. Oh, we don't have to go into that yeah. right now. <laughs> you, you know how that I'm works. still waiting for mom and dad to explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's see. Well, I moved to New York in 2001 and I'm going to back up even just a little bit. I went to art school in Philly. Oh, where'd you go in Philly? I went to the Art Institute. Of I Philadelphia. looked there. You I did? Looked, sure. I, I went to Syracuse for uh, illustration. You probably did just fine going to where you went. Yeah, it was great. Art but Institute I looked at was Art okay. Institute. It was. It was good. It's it was a good art school. It was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of fun there. Um, but I I met um, a comedian while I was going to school there. He was in Rittenhouse Square, and I actually just wrote the story. Um, online and posted it on my medium page because I have this I'll plug that later it's called humor room it's like a it's a thing it's a meta kind of a post about humor Mm -hmm. writing but anyway so I I was in Rittenhouse Square hanging out minding my own business wearing my clunky boots and my like you know ugly shirt or whatever I was wearing and this guy came walking over to me and he was like, hey, do you have a, you got a, you got a light. He wanted a light for a cigarette. But I had noticed him ask 15 people before me for a light. And I saw him coming my way. And I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to ask me for a light. And he did. And we got to chatting because I, I don't know what it is about my face. But people see this face and they're like, oh, you're a person who I will chat at. Yeah. And you're not going to stop me. And they're usually right. Yeah. I won't. I'll just listen politely and go, uh-huh, yeah, great. No, I'm I'm late for a doctor's appointment, but I'm going to stand right here and listen. And uh, so I did that for a while. And he told me he was a comedian. And I was enthralled because I've always loved comedy. I grew up in a household of people who were Italian 
loudmouth, funny people. And they had, um, we had lots of movies in our house because my grandfather illegally recorded them all from the movie store. Mm. So we watched, that's all we did. He didn't care at all about that big FBI warning. He was a rebel back before rebels were rebels. So yeah, so he... Had, yeah, he totally ignored the FBI warning. He did not care. And uh, so we watched all this stand-up and stuff together, and I was I was totally delighted, you know, by one of my favorites was It Ain't Easy Being Me by Rodney, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, mm-hmm. hosted a bunch of comedians, and he had Jerry Seinfeld on there, and he had Roseanne Barr, and I was watching these people, and I was like, they're, they're magicians. They just pull these lines out of their head. It's incredible. And then I saw this guy, you know, at the park and he was like, why don't you come over to my house and I'll show you my comedy tapes. And I was like, well, that sounds like a totally safe idea. Very bad. Absolutely. Please show me the way. So I went to this guy's house. (laughs) You went. I went. I went. I'm telling you, I, I don't know how I've made it this far in my life because I've said yes way too much. So we got to his house and he shows me this these videos of him doing stand-up and he was really funny and the videos were of him on tv his name was Stu Kamins by the way some of you may know him out there he's kind of an old school comic and as I'm watching I start to realize he's telling the same jokes you know from set to set Mm -hmm. and it clicks to me that people comedians don't actually pull the words out of the air but they write the jokes and memorize them and then I was like I'm in I can do this I can write jokes and memorize them I'm in and from then on I've been doing you get comedy. to prepare yeah that's much easier i can uh, so handle much, that yeah i can totally i, I can prepare <laughs> what i can't do is come Riff. up with stuff on sometimes i can yeah. and now that i am older i can but when i was younger i i was very hard at talking very bad at talking mm-hmm. it was just a really hard thing for me it took me two years to feel really comfortable on stage the first year i would just stare at the light and get really it is um it is like a, a wave of silence when you're on stage. Because I just do the hosting for the little uh, weekly humorist guaranteed delivery show. So it's just me going up and down introducing people. It's really nothing big. But mm-hmm. I tell a couple of jokes. And um, I think it was maybe last show. And when you're, not, when you're not constantly moving forward with the plan, like the written down plan, yeah. sometimes you kind of have like a brain fart or something and, and you stop for a second mm-hmm. and the audience is waiting for you to say that they're next waiting. thing and you're not saying it uh-huh. and you realize that they're waiting for you and you're not saying it, but all you're doing is listening to the silence <laughs> and that distracts you. The like, sound of silence. The sound of, that, that there sound is of, a sound of silence. It's just like... Yeah, it's like... It's like and and they're waiting for you to make them laugh, and you're not doing it because you're distracted by the fact that they're not laughing. Yeah, and, and you're waiting like for a, them to laugh. It's a loop. You're like, maybe you get, they'll just start laughing. Yeah, if you're I like, just stand here. I'm stuck in a loop, an infinite sad <laughs> silence loop, and it, you got all you have to do is say something, and mm-hmm. you'll break that tension, right? And you're you're fine again. But like, I got stuck for a. I was like, oh man, I. It's that like was my fault. It's almost like an old timey shooting draw. It is you know, where it's like first one to draw, you know, yeah. loses yeah. or wins or mm. whatever. It's scary up there. It, it can be. It can, yeah. And it was for a long time for me. I would just look out over the audience. I would forget jokes. And I would just be like, bleh, bleh. <laughs> And then people will, you know, I used to, the place that I started doing stand-up is no longer here. But it was called the Boston Comedy Club. And it was yeah, on West 3rd Street. Right. So I used to go there. And funny um, little. They like, made up a, a new version of that for uh, for Crashing. Have you seen any yeah, Crashing on yeah. HBO? Yeah, yeah. That was actually a fun thing about, about Crashing is, I guess, they make it take place in all these places that no longer exist but they did exist mm-hmm. and then they would recreate them for the show yeah. so they recreated the boston comedy club and then they recreated uh rafifi mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a great spot yeah that uh, used to have a great show they with uh, open, they used to have open mics eugene merman used to host a really amazing show there and then that place closed yeah, down invite them up invite them up exactly yeah. mm-hmm. I, I used to love that show i was on it ah yeah i, I was an audience member there so many <laughs> times i did a solo show there sorry to disturb you at Rafifi. So many cool people would just come in. It was great. I actually met um, one of my good friends there who has been a friend for a long time. Um, well, she's a comedian, Jenna Friedman. We, mm-hmm. we met, she was um, in the audience and I performed and we I played my rape whistle song and we became pals. And I met actually a bunch of friends who I still keep in touch with at that show. Yeah, that, and the place was so tiny. And yeah. you would just hang out and people mm-hmm. would just be there. It yeah, was it was such a, real a wild scene. Yeah. It was cool. To be the only, like, I was just like an audience member, mm-hmm. but I was in the minority, I think. I think the majority of the people who were sitting in the audience were professional comedy people who were there and then they would yeah, get maybe. up. Yeah, maybe. There's also uh, industry would come and industry, hang out there, but yeah. I think there was a lot of people who just kind of came oh, yeah. to, to chill out. But it was tiny. It was pretty small. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So you got started going to places like that. I did. And that was a cool space because it was one of the few sort of alternative spaces back when it was all about the clubs. Mm-hmm. 
and I started at Boston Comedy Club and I did all the open mics I could and then I kind of started branching out to the alternative rooms and now there's a million now it's all alternative rooms yeah and there's just a few clubs and I'm wondering you know what's going to kind of happen with the clubs are they yeah are they doing okay are you are the cl- hey clubs are you guys okay I think the clubs that are doing okay are, do- are doing great and then the clubs that were not doing great are no longer doing even sort of okay yeah you know I, I was like, thinking about the comedy cellar and how they sort of opened up their second club yeah and thinking definitely. about how that was kind of a smart move because the comedy cellar is such a inclusive place that only a few comedians it seems like can really even get to perform at so then they opened up this other club and we're like okay well there's like a second tier of people who will kind of let come in here right and it's bigger yeah it's like a bigger space yeah and so that was smart for them but then you have uh like eastville Mm mm-hmm is gone and then they relocated because the actual physical place of Eastville is now was it uh, did I think Broadway Comedy bought them or something mm. like that. So now they fit the actual Eastville Club is now in Brooklyn yeah. next to the Atlantic Barclay, Barclays Center on okay. Atlantic Avenue. Yeah, and that's, it's that's teeny. A rough, yeah. So now it's called Eastville Comedy Club, but it's on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, <laughs> which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> and it's just like it's not like people aren't walking by. No. To, to just happen upon a, a comedy club. Like, no. you have to go there on purpose. To, yep, that's hard. And that's in, hard. In the city. You need a little bit of that foot traffic. You Actually, when we were at the Boston Comedy Club, there were people who would, they would bark for spots. They would oh, stand yeah. out on the street and be like, comedy show, this way, come on in. And, that was old school. Yeah, and then you would get a spot if you barked. I, I think I barked a few times, but I got um, passed at the Boston Comedy Club pretty early on because I came in with kind of a crew. I... Um, I was dating Kurt Metzger. I know Kurt Metzger. I know, it's really funny. You and were dating Kurt Metzger. We were in Kurt. love. We were we were in love back in back, way back in the day. He's a sweetheart. You know what? Kurt, I like Kurt. Kurt and I, uh, you know, we we had a lot of fun, and um, and I still, you know, every once in a while we'll say hi, you know, and and kind of reach out. We we don't we're not like really friends or anything like that, but we, you know, we we talk now and then. That's <clears> and nice. Yeah, and uh, Jay, Big Jay, was another person who we used to kind of pal around with. Big Jay Okerson? Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. He lived in Philly, and we lived in New Jersey, mm-hmm. in Lindenwald. And, uh, you know, so then it was like the three of us, and then Kevin Hart also would hang around with the crew sometimes. You ran with quite a crew. It was quite a crew, and we would go to the <laughs> Laugh House, and I never got to perform at the Laugh House, but I went to a million comedy shows there, you know, in Philly. Yeah. And... Uh, Oh, man, we had some really fun times. One time we did a show in Atlantic City. I'm sure that Jay and Kurt have probably also told the story a bunch of times, but we were in, it was it was a show that started at like 2 a.m. or something. Mm. It was a real late night show. And we went in, the crowd was drunk, they were ornery. I got up to do some some comedy. Me, Jay, Kevin, I think we all did sets. And they threw chicken at every single one of us. They were just like, it, it was um yeah it was sad they throw chicken it was a real waste of chicken and it's yeah. a real waste of chicken yep that's crazy yeah so it's kind of a fun um you know backstory mm-hmm. we all have one yeah. right we all kind of have a crew that that of how we sort of got into the the world of comedy and who we run into that's one of the funnest things i think about it is the people who you meet along the way and where they come from and mm-hmm. you know there's been some really interesting people that i've gotten to meet and were you years. doing stand-up stand-up or musical comedy i at was that doing time? stand-up at the beginning what was your stand-up like um i still remember one of my first jokes let's see it was like um uh let's see old people smell but what do you think um what it's like old people smell but what happened that's what happens if you leave meat out too long it smells something like that. I don't know. It was not not. Uh, We're all just slowly rotting. Yeah, basically, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't um, you know socially like uplifting comedy. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was just me just winging words out and seeing what stuck. Conceptual. Some something like that. Kinda. Just kind of a yeah. Just a just a mess of my twenties and my brain smashing together and early tweets. Kind of, yeah. You know, maybe like the maybe the draft folder that that don't yes. get actually tweeted. You just say them in front of a small yeah. crowd. But I did that for a couple of years, and then I started doing um, songs. I wrote a song and I played it for Kurt, and he liked it, and that gave me the confidence to try it on stage. And it was um, kind of a dirty song about about oral sex, and uh, it was it was like 
pretty fun to perform mm-hmm. it at the time. I mean, the song. And nobody, <laughs> <laughs> nobody really like um, uh, was kind of doing music, you know, and comedy at yeah. that time. So I thought maybe it would just. And you've always been musical. Well, yeah, I had a. I grew up in a house with a lot of music and musicians, and yeah, we had a piano in the living room, which was one of my first toys, and a drum set and guitars. And I've been playing guitar for years and years. And I was like, I'm gonna be Joni Mitchell one day, but first I'm gonna do comedy. So um, then I had the idea of smushing them together, yeah. like like I'll make funny folk songs. That'd be fun. And it kind of seems like, and by listening to the most recent album. And just any kind of musical comedy, if people, if you can, if you can play a really good song, you can get away with saying almost anything if there's like a good melody to it. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, I think in general, comedy is kind of like that. I mean, now it's a little more scrutinized than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Now, if you say something that's off color, people will definitely respond to that. Yeah. But with music, well, part of the beauty beauty of it is that Unless I write the words out, no one knows what I'm saying. <laughs> so I can kind of say whatever I want. But also I'm not like super famous in a way that if I say something, people are going to attack me for it right now. So I yeah. still have a couple years to screw up my future. You know, like I can, I'll write some songs and things now. And then five years from now, people can. When you, when you try running for office. Yeah, I'm done. Oh man. I'm never, that's never going to happen. Not, But not I for think me. also like you're just like your persona it's that, you know, she looks so sweet and nice. And then you say something like what some of your song lyrics are, that adds to it. Because, and, and you say it's so sweet and nice. So it's not like you're, you don't look like you're trying to shock anybody. Mm. It's almost I'm like, really. it's like a nonchalant, like this is the song. Yeah. Isn't this a pretty song? I think there's a little nonchalance oh, to my whole personality. This song is about dolphins raping people, <laughs> but doesn't it sound pretty? But it's also a true story. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Is that a true thing? Well, I the whole the whole song as I wrote it is true in that, you know, I was walking down the street. I was in Brooklyn. I saw that sticker, Dolphins Rate People. I was like, what is that? I yeah. got to Google it. So I Googled it and I came up with all the stuff that is in the song, mm-hmm. you know, that and, and maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. I mean, it is the Internet, you know. So but, the Internet says that dolphins do drag people down or drag things down it says that basically teen dolphins are super horny horny and rambunctious and they will uh you know attack similar to how super horny a dog will hump a couch kind of except they're in water yeah yeah like a water dog yeah (laughs) with a weird long prehensile penis which is also a fact yeah, I want, I'm, I'm going to do all kinds of weird Googling when you leave, yeah. but the, the song definitely... Could you imagine having that kind of power with your wiener to like pick things up? And that would be bad. That would be Is too much dexterous? power. Is it dexterous? Like it has like Apparently, a hand? That's what, it's not like a hand, but they can like do stuff with it. Yeah. They can like, they grab... Like a snake tail, Supposedly, maybe. in the reading I was doing, they grab divers by the wrists and kind of like... Yank them know, down. Take them down to these caves and do what they will. You're coming with me. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Interesting. It's really weird. And, it does. It and I like to write songs about things that are weird because um, I can pretty much guarantee that there's not a lot of dolphin rape songs out there. And when you're trying yeah. to write material, obviously you don't want to write the same kind of stuff that everyone else is writing. You know, like the McDonald's drive-through jokes, airplane jokes, they've been done a yeah. lot. You know, but dolphin rape, I own that shit. You, you do. Know what I mean, like. No one's going to come to me and be like, you stole my dolphin rape song. That's just not going to happen. No one's going to do that. Never. <laughs> not 10 years from now. And how many um, how many albums have you put out? I think I've had the three three or four. Let's see. I had, I had my demo, which was my first album that I used to kind of get my first press and gigs. Um, and that was called just, I think, Jessica Delfino, Dirty Folk Rock, it was called. Dirty Folk Rock. Yep. And then my, fir- my first, like, kind of real album, I got this sort of, like, indie record deal with this label. And they put out my album, I Want to Be Famous. And uh, then I had an album that I made myself. And it was a Christmas album with all my Christmas songs, like Christmas in Outer Space and things of that nature. Nice. And then... Um, this one songs to make war to and i've also done a couple compilations for the new york funny songs fest or i'm sorry it used to be new york funny songs yeah we can talk about that too so it was called the new york funny songs festival Mm -hmm. and that started in 2012 Mm -hmm. yep and how did that even start this was a kickstarter kickstarter yeah well so because of the fact that so many of the comedy clubs had a tendency to be a little bit like 
bitchy when booking musical comedians. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I'll just see if I can find a bunch of us. We'll all get together and we'll do something kind of on our own, I guess. And uh, and we we did. And I did a Kickstarter to raise money for it. And we raised like, I think, almost 10 grand, which was pretty cool. We did yeah. that in 30 days. And then we used that money to have a festival. And we got a lot of great press that year, which was really helpful with getting, you know, people to attend the festival mm -hmm. we, we were written up in like new york times and wall street journal and um you know time out and whatever and and then shortly after that the festival supreme tenacious d's festival the comedy music festival came out so that was pretty cool then there was an east coast and a west coast yeah. and then chicago created a comedy music festival and there's quite a scene you yeah. know of people who do comedy music and, and then youtube really took off and that was actually one of my kind of first places where i was able to put my music out there you know in, mm -hmm. a, in to an audience and one of my first songs that i put out on youtube was um well i had a bunch of little songs but there was one of my big kind of hits was the song i want to be famous which i don't perform anymore because i think it's it's a little dark um even for me. <laughs> so I don't really perform it anymore, but it is out there. And then the song, My Pussy is Magic, which uh, was something that I used to perform at comedy clubs and stuff. And this, a friend of mine um, came up one night and was like, let's make a video for it. So we did. We put it out there and it got publicly denounced by the Catholic League. Wow. That's which great was press. super fun. Yeah. It was like one of the greatest press, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> press things to happen and that actually sent me on i toured for years on that on being denounced by the catholic league it was great i went to uh you know the uk a bunch of times and did tours all up and down the east coast and i remember when he wrote the press release he wrote all my tour dates in the press release perfect yeah it was great every show was sold out I mean, uh. it, was, <laughs> it was incredible <laughs> i actually sent him thank you cards uh. from every city i went to that's you know. so nice yeah i'm very thoughtful and you need that to be like, hey, you know, I have other things coming up. If you could yeah. possibly <laughs> so drop do you a note, be my publicist. Yeah, yeah. Like if you could denounce the upcoming music festival, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> These are the dates. Yeah. So the Funny Songs Festival turned into the New York Comedy Music Festival. Yeah. So this year we kind of had a little bit of a re-imagining of the festival. We brought in some new people, Charlie. Um, Landsman mm -hmm. and Kelly Dwyer has been working with the festival for a bunch of years, but she was um, involved again this year and just a couple people to kind of be a little I, for several years. I kind of basically it was like kind of what you did. Like yeah. it was like a, you know, a, a solo enterprise with some other people who kind of helped. Yeah. But this year it was like a bunch of people. We were a team and it was the, probably the best festival, you know, so far. It was great. I mean, you had gift bags and you had vip badges yeah. and you had all these locations and you had all these different like it was great it was all it was all over the place it like, was you super could do, fun you could do afternoon stuff if you wanted to stay late there was like a late night mm -hmm. kind of half and there was like karaoke fun mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of everything yeah and it was and we've done stuff this festival was based on festivals that we've done in the past that mm -hmm. have been pretty successful and every we, i took two years off because i had a baby uh. which i don't recommend um <laughs> no i'm just kidding but sort of not really um it's it was a it's having a baby was definitely my biggest solo project that i've ever done um and i say solo project because you know your husband is involved or your partner or whatever but really like it's really it's one it's a one person deal you know what i mean it's um i mean there's a, there's the doctors and stuff that yeah have, but there's support but yeah, but it's like a yeah so, um, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that, um, yeah. but it is a lot, a lot of, a lot of it falls onto mom. Hey, when you were, uh, at the festival, uh, you had your kid there. I did. Yeah. 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 He was hanging out. He was very, he was having fun. My mom was there. She came to help. Was with... she stuffing the bags? Did I see her stuffing bags? Uh, I think everyone was stuffing bags. At one point, uh, wait, um, no, we stuffed all the bags beforehand, I think, but then we got we forgot that we had a bag of stuff mm -hmm. and we were like, Oh, we got to put this in the bag. So we were stuffing it. That's what I saw. Yeah. That's what you saw. That was fun. That was at the Friars club. <laughs> it was real behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. We did the Friars club was our opening night, mm -hmm. which was super fun. I love the Friars club. I've performed there a bunch of times over the years for different things, but that place was really, uh, hospitable. You know, they, it's a cool building. Well, we lost our venue. We were supposed to work with pianos this yeah. year and we had kind of a, 
misunderstanding, a very minor misunderstanding, but it just didn't end up working out. So we... A minor with the pianos, yeah, not a major yeah, or was, a treble. Well, I, I mean, don't it, have it, any more music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, my, uh, seriously minor. So minor, I shouldn't even be talking about it right now. I shouldn't be giving them any press, but... Uh-oh. Sounds pretty major now. No, they're fine. They're they're <laughs> fine. I've been performing at pianos for years. They had they had their heyday. But um, but Friars Club stepped in. Yeah. And it was great. I loved being at the Friars Club. It made it really kind it of... It was cool. Per, um, historic in a way. And a lot of the performers were really excited to be there. Yeah, it was a neat uh, thing to uh tell people to come to this opening kickoff party at the friars club yeah, because we had a lot a cake. of a lot of people don't don't even have any reason to ever go there i mean yeah. anyone can almost go there anytime but one, no one even knows that and not to mention tickets to the f- shows are 10 bucks i keep everything super cheap yeah. so i mean a ticket to go to the fire it, it was basically like a tour like paying ten dollars for a tour of this incredible space so as far as i'm concerned one of the things i love the most about new york are the spaces here mm-hmm. the space Whenever I read an event that's like in a basement somewhere or a weird attic, it's got to be like one, not the living room, living room, I don't care about, but like one of the far off, you know, aspects of the space. I don't know, some weird building that you don't normally get to go in or one time I performed in a subway station that had been closed down oh i was just talking to my friends about going on those old tours where you get to go into abandoned mm-hmm. closed down subway yes like platforms and so stuff. this was actually a station it wasn't a closed down station it was a station that never opened it was a station that had been built oh. but then just had never opened and one of my friends discovered this space and he was like i'm gonna do a show here and he's someone he he runs this website called nonsense nyc and he has all these all the weirdest events that you can Mm-hmm. find in new york are usually listed there Ooh, i want to go yeah and they're all in these really cool spaces or you know run by these kind of interesting people and um and he found the space we went down there we checked out the space it was incredible totally pitch black so we had to bring our own light i mean it was and completely illegal yeah and if we had gotten caught we would have definitely been charged with some kind of terrorism or something probably well but trespassing definitely. he did get he did get found out and i think that they maybe questioned him or investigated him but then they were like, oh, you're just a weirdo doing a show. Cool. You're good. But how did he find how to get there? Was it like through another station? It was a crazy... You, The only way to get in was there was there was like a... Um, what's it called? Like a grate on the street and you lift up the grate. He just went through the hole? Yeah, he went through the hole. Hmm. And I guess he... You know, he's one of those people who just walks around the city and he, his eyes are open and he's looking for spots and... So this station was made but never used. So what, like, was the tile work like new looking? Like, did it look nice? Or did um, it look well, I mean, old? it was lit by candle yeah. mostly. So we didn't really get a good look, but there was a ton of graffiti. So some other so other people have found other this people station. have found it, and there and there are pictures online too okay. of the show and everything. I think Gotham Miss wrote a story about it, but um, it, it's incredible looking. It's like, it's it's like going back in time, you know, into mm-hmm. and. I used to drive past or through New York on my way to visit my grandparents in New Jersey. I grew up in Maine, and I was petrified of New York. We would drive through. There would be bombed-out cars everywhere, graffiti, cars on blocks, people listening to, you know, music on the highway. Just like It was like mayhem. I mean, it looked so scary to me as a kid. And then I moved here, and now I love it. I've been here for, I think, 19 years or something now. Yeah. I moved here in 2001, so 18 years. And it's just – it's the craziest – coolest place if you let it be yeah yeah i've been here since 2002 and i think at this point like i don't even think about it being a fascinating place as much like it's very mundane i think if you're here for a long time and you you forget about how cool it is and then you get to go and you you explore neat things and you are reminded of this great place you live well i pay a fortune to live here so i go out of my way to find cool things because (laughs) i i justify the amount of money that i pay to live here saying because i can do what i do now really anywhere with youtube with the internet i can make videos i can upload songs i can write i can do music anywhere but the reason that I choose to live here is because the weirdness of the city feeds and inspires me. I'm not going to go walking down the street in Ohio and see a sticker that says dolphins rape people, No, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that, that fuels my, you know, creative weirdness is seeing this, you know, seeing these crazy spaces or getting to perform in someone's, you know, 
weird living room or patio or roof deck or well where are you performing now like what do the uh what are the shows you're you're looking to do or you are booked on well what do you got coming up well these days i've been doing a lot of writing i've been writing um i've got a lot of i've been doing i've been getting a lot of stuff off my chest um as a you know a, a mom with a kid and well that's a whole nother world of oh, content yeah. right so it, it totally and, um, and oh, tell me about the class, the the mommy comedy. Yeah, yeah. So that's a show that I've been doing a lot. It's called um, I want to say it's I, I'm like blanking now. Mom, it's at it's at Word uh, Bookstore, and um, it's it's a really fun show. It's all moms with their little tiny babies. It's in the basement again. A comedy loves basements. Yeah. It's in a basement of a bookstore called I'm pretty sure it's called Word Books, and. These moms are like these, they look really sad. They need comedy in their lives because being a mom, it's like a new mom is, it sucks. It's so hard. At least for me, when I, when I came out of the hospital, I was like, oh shit, like this is real. You know, for the four days that I was in the hospital, I was like, this is, this is a snap, you know, this is whatever. I got this. And then I got out of the hospital you know, they took away the morphine, they took away the <laughs> nurses, you know, they, they took away all the special treatment, the people, you know, coming in and what, aren't you, you all food. coming home with me? Yeah. I need and all I, of you to come home with me. I got home and I was like, wait, who's going to bring me bedside salmon? Like Where's what's going staff? on? <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, that was pretty rough, but, um, but this show, so I, I'll, I'll send a, I'll post it later. Um, cause I'm blanking on it right now, but, and mom brain is real by the way. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but it's this it's the greatest show because these people they really need and want you know some joy and yeah. comedy and humor and something uplifting you know for that's them. the best audience is oh, the yeah. audience that needs it well i performed at rikers once and it was the greatest show i've ever done because we walked in there and first of all as we were walking down the hall mm-hmm. people were screaming like there was a riot i thought there was a riot i got scared the hair on the back of my neck stood up and i was like what's going on and we walked in the room and they were screaming for us they were so excited and so happy to have people there to see them and yeah. to bring them you know a little bit of a respite from their yeah you know thing that they were going through and it was overwhelming. And every joke like hit like an explosion, you know, every punchline, every tag. It was the I wish I had a, a tape of it. You had to record your stuff like a, like a Johnny jails. Cash, like a Johnny <laughs> yeah. Cash concert. I thought about it and I've been trying for years to get back in touch and try to. Yeah. I just I can't I don't know. Maybe they've changed their rules or something, but they're not they're not doing it. But it was so great. So what was your set list like for that show? Well, they had a lot of rules like you weren't I allowed bet. to. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't allowed to diss authority or the establishment or the man. You weren't allowed to talk about crime or illegal activities. You weren't allowed to talk about like guns. That's a lot of your songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At that time, I think I was just doing stand-ups. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, I I just talked about old people, and that was totally cool. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it um, it was really, really fun. So this mom show was along those lines you know it was like just a, a an audience of people who really wanted to be there <laughs> group of moms prisoners Felons, at rikers yeah. <laughs> <It was> very <laughs> similar <laughs> well i would joke with my husband often that being a new mom was almost like being a war vet you know in that because when you see another new mom it's like you you know that and the way i made a lot of my friends right after i had a baby was i would see a mom you know in the in the playground or whatever she'd have her little tiny baby we'd gravitate towards each other because we knew that we had just been through the, a yeah. similar thing and even if we were from totally different worlds we would be like so you know like what what branch are you in? you know what i mean we had this kind of like mom talk and we would without Without fail, one, we would start to divulge very personal details about our vaginas and what happened during the birth process to us, you know. Yeah. And, and it was, like, really intense, and but also just part of, you know, the healing process is just being like, oh, my God, you went through that, too? Ah! So like, so. shared experience, commiseration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then so. the dads are just like, we're dopes. That and also, <laughs> no, no. My yeah, husband, no. My, my, my guy was incredible, um, and he still is. Uh, but anyway... And also the halluc- the auditory hallucinations were another thing. I sw- I heard helicopters for like a month after I had a baby because really? I was so sleep deprived. Yeah, I had you know I, I heard like my my breast pump was saying crazy things to me. It was like you know like 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 I don't know. That's and, a song. You're tired. You're tired. You're tired. You're tired. You know, it just like would <laughs> say these weird things. And yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's the song. But um, it's, it's <laughs> only a song for, for the yeah for a very specific. 
group of people. Yeah. Moms who... Niche. Yeah. Everything has to be very niche, but niche does really well. It does. And I think that mom comedy has... Well, it's having momedy. Momedy. It's having a. It's having a minute. You know, with Ali Wong's yeah. show, and then you know, there's a lot of people who have just recently had babies, and yeah. Uh, I actually wrote a solo show called "When Before My Water Breaks" that I did at Joe's Pub right before I had my baby. I performed it eight months pregnant. And, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it was super fun, and it was it was really great. It was basically like a love letter to my unborn baby. Yeah. And, uh, was that like a ukulele bit? Did you do that? Because it's easier to, to rest like a ukulele. No, I played the guitar on a, on a like yeah on the bump on the bump. No, no. I had a joke. Uh, I remember a joke about the bump I wrote, which was uh, they called a baby bump, which I don't like because it's like a like that's how they just that's how they talk about cocaine. Like that's just a baby bump. It won't hurt anyone. I, oh. I mom brain i hate mom brain my brain doesn't work anymore three years later my baby's almost three he's two and change and um that's a that's his technical age to yeah. change and i just like i can't remember things anymore i can't remember names places uh people i remember faces still but i think it's just from um from not having enough sleep like but, even last night yeah. even you know i had let's see i slept at, no i went to bed at 10 because that's my new bedtime now i just fall asleep at 10 o'clock it, it, i'm standing up you know how cows sleep standing up that's mm -hmm. what i do i just fall asleep wherever i am i shut body shuts down and then around 3 45 in the morning i was woken up by my son who was having a cough attack he just started coughing at 3 45 a.m and you know then i had to take him into the bathroom and run hot water because he has this like cough thing that he he has and and you know and then before i knew it it's 6 a.m you know and so it's so like, you've been up since three no i got to sleep for like another hour in there somewhere i That's think from, nice. from like six to seven I, we were able to to doze off um but then yeah he usually wakes up pretty early like five thirty-six is kind of his default wake-up time which sucks i hate waking up at 6 a.m i hate That's it early i hate it i woke up this morning by accident i had an alarm that went off at six ten. okay and then i i hit the snooze i feel you for two hours well, like i finally got so out of nice. i got out of bed at like 8 15 the snooze and well, i was just like you. more snooze but it goes off every eight minutes so i hit the snooze every eight minutes from 6 30 until 8 15 <laughs> like yeah. that's dedicated snoozing yeah but your snooze oh. is it's like meh meh <laughs> meh and you press the button <laughs> mine's like mom 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 <laughs> mom and it's not even regular you know what i mean it's you can't like, hit that snooze because no. then you get in trouble that's right then you get arrested <laughs> then you end up that's, in the rikers then i have to go concerts. perform for me <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> I saw you recently at the Botnik Studios. Yes. Botnik did a show. I love Botnik. So let's talk about Botnik I a little bit because Botnik. it's it's fascinating. They're so great. And, uh, and and how you got involved with them and, okay. and what their whole deal is. So Botnik is a artificial intelligence comedy project. Yeah. Yeah. That's to be right. s simple about it. Yeah. Right? So a bunch of these people who are way smarter than I am and younger than I am use their brains to do some coding or something and create a program that allow. It's like it's like auto, almost the way autocorrect works or something. Right. Or, um, where you, on your phone when you're writing a sentence, it picks the word for you. There's a, there's a technical term for it, but I that works. I couldn't remember it right now, even if I tried. And uh, so. This crew, one one of the creators is Jamie Brew. Mm -hmm. I met Jamie through the Comedy Music Festival. He performed in it a couple of years ago, and he's a cool guy. He is real he's, smart. He is super smart. Great musician, and he a wonderful musician. Very funny, very naturally funny, very low key. He's he's really cool. I really like him a lot. And um, so he, so actually another friend of mine, Amy, who is a writer, Amy Barnes. She she's a writer and she writes for Botnik. Mm -hmm. Um, she mentioned uh that you know. Botnik, she was like talking about it, and I was like, "What's Botnik? What is it?" And she kind of told me about it and told me about Jamie, and she introduced me to Jamie, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, I know Jamie. Jamie was in the yeah." So then I, you know, Jamie added me to the crew, and yeah. I've been writing stuff for for them since I don't know, maybe it's been like almost a year, something like that. Because they come up with the coolest things, where uh, you know, like, uh, like artificial intelligence will generate comedy article type things or songs or all kinds of stuff yeah it, it's so great because the the it's sort of limitless what mm -hmm. you can do with it you can you could make posters you could make songs you could make videos we just did something with college humor where we wrote a game of thrones episode so we 
took all these Game of Thrones scripts and put them into the software. Mm -hmm. I, not we, not me. I did not do that. Right. And um, the, the smart people did that. And then I and other people used the generator to come up with the lines for the characters. So we wrote a better ending for Game of Thrones. And at the, at the show that I was at, everybody got assigned a part. And we yeah. all kind of read the parts out loud. I was actually invited to go with Bob Mankoff, who is involved because he kind of started it with Jamie. Yeah, he and Jamie. And are Bob the Mankoff creators. is like this old. I mean, he's an old school New Yorker cartoonist. Mm -hmm. He kind of developed the entire humor category and cartoon, the cartoon bank for the New Yorker over many many years. And then um, he started doing this Botnik thing. Mm -hmm. Very eccentric guy. Oh yeah, he's very interesting too. And I'd like, um, I'd like to corner him and pick his brain for like i just hour. got invited because he started this company called cartoon collections which is like the cartoon bank uh back in the day for uh for the new yorker which is kind of like an iStock photo thing but for cartoonists so oh, it's a cartoon cool. licensing company okay which is great for cartoonists like getty like getty but for cartoonists so mm -hmm. it's like you can use this cartoon for greeting cards or for web or for whatever and it, it's just it's a, it's a better way to monetize cartoons for cartoonists and he signed up Weekly Humorous to be a part of this thing, which is amazing because we're now on the level of uh, the New Yorker, Esquire, Playboy, That's uh, Barons. I mean, everyone loves Weekly Humorous. Everyone loves Weekly Humorous. We're the fastest growing comedy magazine in the world. But um, so he's being nice to me and he invited me to be a part of this thing. And he's like, hey, I'm going to this Botnik show um, and it's my birthday. Would you come with me? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that'd yes. be great because you're a comedy legend and I wanted to meet you anyway for a very long time. And it's your birthday. Yeah. Like, what a generous guy. And and Botnik made him a cake. Botnik made him a cake. It was so funny. <laughs> and, it was and, the funniest cake. So tell, tell, tell the listening audience the about this cake. So basically we used this, um, this, I think it was recipes. Someone put recipes into the program. Into the botnik. I, I sound like an old lady. The yeah, they botnik, put him in the program. The botnik brain. Yes. The AI brain the of botnik. The brain of botnik. And it churned out all these words. And then we, we, the writers, used the words to come up with the recipe for a cake. And then someone actually made the cake. And the cake had a variety of things in it. Yes. It had meat. It had broccoli. It had raspberries. And it was quite tasty. I actually ate People a piece ate it. because I'm, I'm great. like that. Thank you. <laughs> did you make the cake? No, I didn't make oh. the cake. No, I, I forget the name of the person who did. But it had I, frosting. It had frosting. It looked incredible. He and his girlfriend made it together. I forget his name. I'll I'll put it on Twitter later, and I'll apologize to him for forgetting his name. But on top of the Graham Brand, no, never mind. On top of the 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 crazy Botnik cake and the Game of Thrones episode, which was funny because it's funny because it sort of makes sense. Like the oh, the, yeah. the comedy AI is funny yeah. because it it sort of takes it it's like it knows kind of what the character is like, and then it spits out lines that are. They're on point and they're mean. Yeah, a lot. Like <laughs> they the, can be. The well, robot can be very mean. Well, it's about the writer too. Yeah, it's about because the writer picks the words, you know. So it's like it's like I'm driving this car and this is what the car does. Yeah. So um. And they know. acted out uh like a fake sitcom. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was. Were great. you in the sitcom? Yeah, the family yeah. show. You were in the. It was called the Family Show. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was so, like a family, a stereotypical family sitcom with the, with like love interest and big sister and yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was funny. It was. Really I was amazed. Funny. People think that well, some people were like one of my friends actually came to the show and he was like, so tell me, am I are you kind of laughing at the computer? And I was like, yeah, I think there is a little bit of that. You're laughing at the way that the computer brings up the words. Yeah. And and you're also laughing with, you know, each other because it's just this kind of absurd collection of sentences that it spits out yeah and it's just a really and it's really fun to do it's kind it's almost like like there's a little mad libs in there you yeah. know and but yeah it's super fun it's and and we brainstorm ideas and because we have this crew on um you know of botnik people we can all kind of talk about different ways to use material different scripts different um you know recipe books or for the longest time I've been wanting to do, I want to do a kid's album of all these songs that, you know, Botnik writes, but it's really hard to write songs on Botnik because hmm. the words don't really rhyme. You right. kind of have to tweak it in a way to make them rhyme. And I don't really want to cheat, you know, Yeah. because there's sort of a format, the, the way the words come out, and I want to keep them in that format. I don't want to mix them around or anything. Right. So that's a little tricky. But then I also want to do a bird poster, which I've been wanting to do for a while. A bird poster. Yeah, just all these different birds. And then Botnik will, you know, name the birds. Wonderful, funny things. 
just put a bird on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, funny named birds anyway, like booby. It's kind of a funny, it's true. It's a funny name for a bird. I saw a, some post somewhere a long time ago that actually took that idea and did pretty good with it. So maybe that maybe that's already done. So suppose I mean, hopefully in the works, we're going to be putting um, a botnik generated comedy articles up oh, on great. Weekly Humorous. That's oh, the next project. Wow, that's so. So cool. Amy Barnes was going to be helping with that. Okay. She's very funny. She's great. <coughs> yeah, she's a, she's excuse a me. Yeah, so Amy and Amy Barnes and Janine Annette and I wrote a script together. Oh, Janine Annette, I know Janine Annette. Yeah, yeah. She's going to be on this show. Is she? Yeah, I was just talking to her. Oh, that's so cool. She's a writer for Weekly Humorous. That's also the fun thing about the whole comedy community is is it, you don't know that other people know each other. Yeah. Because we're also you know individually meeting or doing we connect. their own things. Yeah, and, and then, then everyone's like everyone knows everybody. It's true. It's very incestuous. The community is not that big. It's not. And but even if it even it, it's big enough and still everyone knows each other. Yeah, it's pretty fun because I have uh, some summer interns who are uh, comedy writers and they're, um, you know, like in college, they're like English majors and things like that. And then they're in for the summer and and they, you know, we talk about their goals, saying so, you know, what they want to do and they want to meet all these people. And and like the people that they're listing, I'm like, oh, I know she lives up the street from me yeah, like yeah. she's in my book club like yeah. it's it's like the world is very my small. mom and my sisters and stuff they'll be like oh do you know so-and-so because i really love their comedy show and i'm like i know that guy <laughs> like eh, <laughs> eh, you don't want to yeah. meet that guy yeah <laughs> yeah i've met some really fun people over the years through through comedy if i think the best thing that has come from it is just like all the wonderful people that i've gotten to meet i know that sounds very corny but I'm a well, mom now, so I have permission. Well, I mean, also, so you're, I mean, aside from being a, a creator, a comedy uh, musician, you're a uh, a producer of events that celebrate comedy mm-hmm. and music. So yeah. I got to be a part of the um, New York uh, Comedy Music Festival this year, and I got yes. to be on the panel, and I got to feel important. And that was so much fun because... You know, it was more, it was events and it was shows, but then it was also panel discussions and learning about all these different things and businesses that are, are there to enable and help um, people who are just starting out. The or panel people... was so awesome. It I was mean, cool. I... And then you guys had a parade. Oh yeah, we have parade every year. The parade is awesome. I love the parade. I keep bringing it back because it's just so weird and, and wonderful. And the theme, you were, it was like a black and white parade? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I dressed up in black and white. You had a black and white. You were like a hat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Yeah. It's fun because I get to put myself in a lot of the, (laughs) I'm like, hmm, this show needs a host. Well, I guess I'll host. So that's fun. Um, But then also I get to book a lot of friends and, you know, put a lot of people into the, into the thing, which is, which is really awesome. Who are your musical comedy like heroes? Are you like a big Weird Al fan? Um, I do like Weird Al and I got to perform with him once, which was pretty fun. Wow. And uh, through the festival because they reached out to us and they were like, we need some people to do this thing. Will you do it? And I was like, yes. So he autographed my ukulele too, which is pretty sweet. Um, but let's see. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I like Tenacious D. I liked them way back in the day because I thought they were really cool. I, I, Reggie Watts, when he came onto the scene, blew my mind. He's I mean, great. I just thought he was so incredible, and I still do. Um, let's see. I, you know, Sarah Silverman used to write really funny songs, and I thought that she her songs were really cute. I still sometimes will catch myself singing, All the penises in the world. You know, her song about, um, you know, there's a whole... I don't know. Maybe you don't know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. No, I'm, other people must know it, too. But I liked um, also... Uh, I. You know, and I meet new people every year that mm-hmm. I that I'm like, oh wow, she's really awesome. That's really cool. So I met a bunch of people this year that I was blown away by. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess those are some of the people. I should have asked you to bring like a ukulele in, or Yoko I should have. Ono is hilarious. Is she? She's kind of funny. Yeah. Hmm. She's kind of wacky. I like the Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates. They're very yeah, funny. Yeah, they they have some good ones. Although they wrote "Pregnant Women Are Smug," and now I'm mad at them, but I also kind of get it. <laughs> it'll all change when they pop out a couple that's of kids, what i was thinking know? i was just thinking about that i was They're like you'll see how smug we are you'll you wait. see you'll become smug yeah. too <laughs> yeah um they're they're good they're um, good yeah i don't know i think i mean i should have a lot more names i like a lot of howard stern songwriters I actually wrote a song with one of howard stern's guys once little mikey mm-hmm. we wrote a a wonderful song that was a parody of um skyrockets in flight afternoon Sky delight Ro- yeah yeah it's filthy you know who i love who's a uh, howard stern guy that eli braden i love eli. you know eli yeah, yep we do great know each other. i also know the opera dude who's i'm blanking on his name but the dude who does all the opera i met yeah. him once at a, a comedy show i met eli 
maybe 2011. Yeah. When I was I was working at National Lampoon and we were producing a show at the Improv, and he was on the show. We did like a Twitter award show before there was like the Shorty Awards or before there was anything. We had this totally unofficial Twitter award show we just put on at the Improv, and it was all industry. And Eli uh, did a song. He he opened the show with a song. Yeah, he's he's, he's really such funny. a cool guy. He, we follow each other on Twitter, Ooh. which is, I'm on Twitter at Jessica Delfino, by yes. the way. By the way. By the way. Verified. Yeah. I got Whoa. it. I got that blue check mark. What? I, yeah. How did that happen? Because you're. I wrote I mean, about it on my Medium page, which, by the way, I'm circling back around to. I have a Medium page called One and Done Mom. Okay. And there's also a new thing that I started doing on Medium. It's a vertical on this publication called um, The Writing Cooperative. I got pulled. Uh, did you put my quote in? I'm not sure. Oh, I might darn have. it. I must have. I don't know. You asked me for a quote about Oh, no, not that. I haven't rituals. written that story yet. That's, okay. that's going to, that will be. Yeah. I wrote, um, I wrote two episodes of the humor. It's called the humor room. That's my vertical. I like it. Thank you. And it's about comedy writing mm-hmm. and write, you know, comedians and the process and blah, blah, blah. But from a writing perspective. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I wrote two episodes of it episodes and then the one that you're in is going to be on the third the i'm going to be week. in something yeah you're going to be it's in. very exciting yeah, i've put you in a bunch of things really yeah i put you in the festival nice. put you on medium on i'm into it humor room do you write uh non-song comedy yes yes i do i write stand up i also write humor pieces like i've been in mcsweeney's a couple times yeah that kind of stuff you yeah. should write stuff for weekly humorist i would love to write stuff for weekly it's humorist. very easy to get in. i have submitted a couple things have you i have yeah I'll have to look in the old folder. Yeah, you have to dig through it. I'll dig through Maybe it. Maybe they went to spam. And then also you do stand up. I wanna I wanna see you do stand up. Yeah. I, so I'm um, working right now on a sh- on a new show. It's called um it's called Forty Percent Psychic. And um because I'm forty percent psychic. Are you? Yeah. So basically the show is me talking to people in the audience and telling predicting and talking to them about how But only being like forty percent exactly. right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's Can you do me right now? Can yes. you forty percent psychic me? Yes, I can. All right, here we go. Marty. I need I need the room. This is the thing, though. First of all, there's no audience here, so um, and that really helps to you know make it the vibe. to create comedy. That's is true. The audience, it does help. <laughs> it really helps. <laughs> but also, um, you you might not like what you what you're gonna hear. I never do. Okay, so I've been reading tarot for um, a long time, which is part of the show, also. Okay. But uh, and I didn't bring my tarot deck here, so I'm just gonna have to use my psychic powers. Okay. Forty all forty percent of them. Uh, you're Marty, you're, you're busy. Mm-hmm. You're excited about what's going on in your life right now. You've got a lot of things, a lot of, of ovens, what they say? Irons in the fire. I have a lot of ovens on. You have a lot of, you <laughs> left your oven on. <laughs> Let's pause this podcast. You need to go turn your oven off. Um, you, but you're lonely. There's a lonely part of you. Yeah. You, you are looking for that special someone. Aww. Um, and you can't find her because partially because no one's good enough for you, you know, and that's a drag, uh, because it probably has something to do with your pat, your, your background, your, your mom or your parents or something. I don't know. I don't want to get, I don't want to make you feel bad right now, but, um, eventually you will probably, uh, find someone who will stick around. Hmm. We'll see. Um, and it's not, it's not even necessarily about them sticking around. It's about you being open, you know, open to them. So how correct am I? We should call this 100% psychic, not Yo, 40% psychic. What? Did I nail it? Yeah. Shut up. Of course. Oh, my God. I mean, that I think I'm pretty easy to read. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> anyone could look at me and be like, this guy is sad and lonely <laughs> and busy. <laughs> yeah, so that's why it's 40% psychic. Partially psychic powers and partially just being able to read a room. That's awesome. Yeah, well so. done. Thank you. I appreciate it. So everybody, if you want to uh, try to win Marty's heart, <laughs> he is open a little bit, but not completely, yeah. to getting to meet you. I met my husband on Craigslist. On Craigslist? I did, yeah. I've told the story before. This is not even an yeah. app. No. This is a place where you buy a used couch. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I found one. How did you meet your husband on Craigslist? Well, uh, I posted a list of all the things that i was looking to find in a man all the qualities and i got back about 300 replies wow about 50 of them were dick pics okay and um some of them were quite impressive i'm i'm not gonna lie and but my husband was one of the people who i connected with and i really liked and we hit it off and what year was this this was in 
2008. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was a Match.com or... There were, there were dating things, sites. But they were kind of expensive, and I was like an artist. And you just was, went Craigslist. Yeah, I just went straight to because I've always had really good luck with Craigslist. That's like a misconnection almost. Yeah, well, Craigslist. I used to love those. Oh, yeah. They're super fun. And I've always mined Craigslist for, I've mined it for comedy content because, you know, there's people write such funny posts they do. on there. And I've, you know, I've gotten roommates and apartments and couches. And I was like, let's go for a husband. Why not? Let's Why not? Jobs. I've gotten tons of gigs off Craigslist. Some really good gigs, too. Yeah. You know, so I, I gave it a shot and it totally worked. That's incredible. Yeah, it was a New York Times vows. York really? Times about it. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. I got I'll married on that... a unicorn. You'll see if you if you ever read the story. You'll see. You got married on a I got married on a unicorn. On a unicorn? Yeah, I rode into my my ceremony on a unicorn. So you you actually put a horn on a horse? I did. I bought one on Etsy. It's, a horn? Yeah, you can totally buy a, a unicorn horn on Etsy. It's super cheap. It was like 20 bucks. And it just fits on his head? Well, the... Or so, is, you have to like staple gun it. Well, yeah, I, I had to... <laughs> I, I did have to hurt the horse. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't... Don't... Please don't get mad. Don't um, get mad. Horse, horse people. It's the fine. horse did not get hurt at all. What I did was I actually called a bunch of different horse places and i was like hey do you guys have any white horses that i could borrow or rent one for for my wedding and everyone was like no we don't do that and they hung up on me angrily but this one lady was like that is so awesome i would love to turn one of my horses into a unicorn and they, she had the headpiece where they put the feathers yeah so i sent okay, she works. sent me the bit and i sent the bit to the etsy lady and the etsy lady put it into the fabrication when she was making it and then when she sent me the horn it had the screw in it so it just screwed right on and do you still have that horn today? You betcha. I was so excited and happy to be married when they were packing up the horse. They were like, do you want this horn back? And I was like, keep it. <laughs> and then later on, my husband was like, where's the unicorn horn? And I was like, I told her to keep it. And he was like, what? I got to go get the unicorn horn. So we went to their house and I was like, um, hey, can I have my unicorn horn back, please? Where did you get married with this unicorn? I got married in Cape May, New Jersey on Sunset Lovely. Point. Lovely. Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful. Right on the beach on Sunset Point. On the beach mm-hmm. with a unicorn? Yeah. And it was gorgeous. It was like sunset and beautiful. When was this wedding? It was in March. So it was the coldest day of everyone's life. Anyone wow. who was there was like, I, re- I loved your wedding. I've never been colder. Everybody said that. And there, there, are there photos someplace? Yeah, there are lots of beautiful photos of us okay. on, on unicorns. I need to see a unicorn photo. Send me something. I can put it in the uh, in the post for I this. Because everyone's going to be wondering about this when they listen to this. <laughs> and I'm I, very curious so about this. I actually lost my wedding ring, which is super sad. When? On your wedding day? No, I lost it last year. Okay. And I lost it on Forsyth Street. It just slipped out of my pocket. It's a stupid story. I was getting a manicure. The lady told me to take my ring off so mm. she could rub my hands. I put it in my pocket. I forgot it was in there. I put my phone in. I took my phone out. My ring fell out. It's gone. And so then I heard about this thing called Cape May Diamonds. And I went to what they are. They're quartz crystal that washes down the river from the Poconos. And when they get into the uh, shipwreck there on Sunset Beach, on Sunset Point, they get stuck and twirled around and tumbled. And then they get washed up onto the shore. So there's all these little beautiful, perfect crystal pebbles that are like clear and they look like diamonds. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen a raw diamond, that's what it looks like. It looks like a like a polished quartz crystal stone. So when I was there, I was there last weekend with my family for vacation. We went to the shore and I found a bunch of these stones on the beach and I actually had it, re- you know, I got a I got a ring with the quartz crystals in it. So now, so that's, so now that's your wedding ring. That's my wedding ring. Now. Do you have that on? I'm not wearing it. I only, oh, you lost it. I lost it. <laughs> I actually thought I lost it yesterday. I was like, oh, no, but I found it. <laughs> I shouldn't have rings or nice things. Or nice things. Yeah, I just lose things. You just have to get it uh, fixed right to your head with the thing. I think I need maybe to just wear it on a necklace or something. Necklaces are good. Yeah. yeah. But I'd probably lose that. I don't know. What's the next show you have coming up? Okay, next show I have coming up. Let me think about this. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I have a bunch of videos and stuff coming out. Okay. Like I have a thing coming out with Scary Mommy. I have a thing coming out with um, Parents.com. Oh, nice. I have a bunch of stories coming out. I have a story. Do you know Andrew Knott? The name sounds familiar. He's like a dad writer in oh, yeah, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know him. Yeah, yes. he's big. I, I don't know him, but I, I know him on Medium. Yeah. He's great. He's yeah, a, he, he's a, he, he always writes uh, weekly humorous stuff, and it's always like my, my best dad content. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. great. So I write a lot of stuff for High Times. I've got like a bunch okay. of stories coming out. I, I have a lot of stories coming out because I don't get out as much as I used to 
but I do, um, I do write a lot of stuff. So that's kind of how I get my kicks now. Mm -hmm. And as far as shows go, I just did a show. I did the mom show, the one at Word Bookstore. Mommy and, comedy. Yeah, the mom comedy show. And I'll, I'll do. I've got other stuff in. You know, I'll figure something out. I don't really care as much about performing live as I used to. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, because it's hard. Well, and I have a baby that yeah. I have to take care of, and I can't bring the baby with me to the shows. And babysitters are expensive, and yeah. comedy doesn't pay enough usually to cover the babysitter, and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. So. You know, because it's not, it's not like you run in, you do 10 minutes of comedy, but it's like four hours. In yeah, it total. takes a whole block of your, yeah. of your day. Right. So, well, if you ever want to, you can come and do the guaranteed delivery show, which is at uh, 110 I, Wall Street, I first Tuesday. I want to do my 40% um, psychic thing there. <clears throat> you could totally do, do it psych, there. Do, That'd be a lot of fun. Work out my psychic powers. It's first Tuesdays of the month. The next show is July 2nd. It's 8 to 10, 110 Wall Street in New York City. Free tickets available at weeklyhumorous.com. So anytime you want, you can come in August, you can use September. Just let me know when, what's convenient All for right. you. <laughs> we can work around your schedule because Thank I'm you. very uh, easygoing with it. But that would be fun. You could definitely, you could read the room and do a whole 40% psychic yes. thing with the audience. Yes. They would love that. Yeah, I'll probably try to do my show at Joe's Pub again. Okay. I, I really love Joe's Pub. I, they're really nice to me. And the album you have out, you can uh, people can find it on YouTube. It's Songs to Make War to mm -hmm. 14 anarchist anthems for the whole family. That's right. Jessica Delfino, you can find her... At Jessica Delfino on Twitter. Is it jessicadelfino.com? Uh, jessicadelfino.com. I'm also on Instagram at Jessica Delfino. And I'm on Medium at One and Done Mom. I'm all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. So check out Jessica Delfino all over the place. Um, this is so much fun. It Thank you so fun. much fun. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Talk Word. I'm Marty Dunnick. Follow us um, at Weekly Humorist and sign up for our e newsletter at weeklyhumorist.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Talk Word. Please subscribe, follow us, and visit weeklyhumorist.com.